genre. Welcome to the Jane Silent Bob Minute, where we are covering the movie Chasing Amy, one minute at a time. Today we're covering Minute 55, quite possibly the greatest drenching rain minute ever. I'm Jeff Ferry. And I'm Bob Kester from Immunities. Welcome aboard, Bob. Thanks for uh, subbing in for Chris. <laughs> it's great to be here. He couldn't make it again this week. The law has caught up with him once again. <laughs> uh, well, if I'm filling in for you, I'm like, Oh, yeah. I did tell him. I'm like, you know you could take those out, right? He's like, no. I'm not taking them out. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't put my podcast mini fridge in yet, though. So, oh, Although, to be honest, if you were going to have it, this might be the week for it. <laughs> uh, this is Mini 55. It starts with holding, pouring out his heart, and ends with, fuck you. So, you know, it ends like most conversations you have with the lady that you love. <laughs> um, we had we spoke last week when we had we were in the car the whole week that... Normally, when you're telling someone that you like them, you don't normally go straight to "I love you." Mm. It can be especially when that when you're already climbing a large hill called her being a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't need to strap a twenty pound weight to your back when you've already got problems. Yep. Well, I figure. I guess he figures in his situation, it's like a hail mary, basically. Like he's got. <laughs> he, well, he he could he can make a tiny bit of. You know, he's not, he's either going to make no headway or he's going to go like, you know, all the way. So he, he might as well just try it, I guess. Oh, he's so just... he, he's using my maneuver that I used to use when I was like 18 to 20 of like, this is either going to go great or fail spectacularly. <laughs> either way, great story. <laughs> because like, if this goes wrong and she just slaps him in the face or runs away and eventually he gets over it, this is an amazing story to tell your friends. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, you remember that girl? You know, she writes that idiosyncratic routine. Well, yeah, this one time I got her in a car and I pulled over like a crazy person in the middle of either, I, we, we think it's New Jersey, I guess, at this point, you know, where she had no option but to listen to me. And then I poured my heart out all creepy like. <laughs> well, I suppose it's the thing, you know, the, uh, the, you know, I don't want to ruin our friendship type thing. Yeah, he has reached the point where he is totally willing to ruin their friendship. <laughs> yeah. The problem is the way not to ruin the friendship is to, have an adult conversation, maybe in public, maybe at somebody's house, which is probably okay, and say, listen, I'm starting to develop feelings for you. I'm starting to like you in a boyfriend-girlfriend type of way. That's the way an adult mm-hmm. would handle it. Not wait until you're ready to explode and then pull over and be like, oh, I love you. <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I imagine he has sort of a Dante problem in a way of he doesn't think there are a lot of girls who are like on his level, whatever, for whatever sense he has of himself you know so dante has that with caitlin and he's got it with Alyssa, and you know and there's totally different things wrong with caitlin from what's wrong with Alyssa. but you know in both cases it's sort of unrealistic of him to think that it's ever going to work but he has a sense that like you know that he has to take his crazy shot or because it's like the only time this is ever going to happen because you know he's young (laughs) yeah and if you think last week was bad and this minute's bad it only gets worse this week because I think it's next minute where he really starts saying stuff where I'm like, I'm starting not to like you a whole lot. <laughs> he doesn't get, <laughs> he doesn't get much out next week, but he, he, w- yeah. what he what he gets out is pretty definitively terrible. But yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Or Well, I guess not next week. Next minute is what I'm thinking. Yeah. But. Like if you if you just listen to this minute divorced from the rest of the movie and you don't know about her being a lesbian, yeah, yeah. And therefore totally not available. This just sounds like somebody pouring their heart out and you're like, it's cheesy and it's probably stupid but like oh i get it 
Yeah, I mean, I think he carries it off as something somebody would do. You know, I mean, it's 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 very Kevin Smithy dialogue, but I think Affleck makes it his own just enough. And you know, and he's this once again this kind of pretentious, you know, comic guy who thinks that he's a little better than everybody and doesn't have a lot of experience to back it up. And uh, well, he's got like that sitcom thing of going on of like, I can only do grand gestures. There's no such thing as slowly building up to something. Everything's got to be. <laughs> It's sweep, sweet baby. Look what I'm doing. Look at me. Which, once again, I think that's inexperience with, you know, going out with girls that he really really respects, probably. Yeah, which uh, Chris and I have a, uh, a theory that part of the problem with this movie is that this they're almost too old for this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, if Affleck's his real age, if he's like 27, 28 at this point, this movie works a lot better if they're Dante's age of like 22. Yeah, I think, I mean, in general with Hollywood films, you have to kind of adjust that. And I think with this film, sort of with the Kevin Smith films in general, you can subtract like five years from everybody. And oh, yeah, because even Dante and Randall are acting like they're 17. Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah, the, and the Mallrats guys, like, yeah, act like they're basically in high school. I mean, they, they, although they say that they're out, but, you know, like they're just out. Yeah, they're supposed to be like third year into college age. So this would be like 21 ish. When they play way more like, they're not maybe like 18, 19, like, hey, I'm, you know, a year out of high school or my, my senior year and, you know, just got my license a year or two ago, that type of thing. Right, right. What's what we're saying? This guy's supposed to be close to 10 years into adulthood. He lives in New Jersey and works in New York. It's not like he's in Iowa and is not mm-hmm. not seeing the world at all. <laughs> and it's also, I think it's depicting a little bit like the comic scene, the way it had been like maybe five years earlier, probably like when Kevin Smith wrote it, <laughs> than what it was like, you know, at that point, you know, like, you know, the idea of like there being, a, you know, a girl cartoonist, you know, being such a, a novel thing. Well, that, and we kept trying to figure out exactly how successful they were because mm-hmm. they're made out to be far more successful than her or Hooper. But I mean, it's obviously they're not like Marvel DC or even like image. So we're like, was there a market back then where you could be like, you're an independent comic, but you're not, you know, you're not, Robert Kirkman, you're just, you're like kind of, right. yeah, we make a living, a pretty good living, apparently, because they have like their own loft and stuff, but. Yeah, probably. I mean, there was, there's always been sort of an underground scene and, you know, you charge a little bit more for your books and stuff like that. I mean, one thing that I hadn't noticed until you guys mentioned it in the minute by minute is her saying, you know, him asking why he'd never run into her and she's saying it's because, you know, you're not a woman or a minority because she's, because in that point, like, if you're a woman or minority, you were on the woman and minorities panel, which is, where, you know, exactly where they meet her. Yeah. And you're not anywhere else, as opposed to now where, like, you know, they would kill to try to get the people from that panel to be on every single other panel, you know, to show how diverse they were. It's like, uh, yeah, now, back then it was like, ugh, you know, we got a woman, like, we have a gay black man, push them off in the corner somewhere. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Now it'd be like, put them up front and center so it's not all white people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, we have to show we're diverse, even if we're not. <laughs> Especially if we're not. It's like you're always going to run into the problem of comics of like comics are now, you know, you're 100 years into the art form of being like how we see comics. And for 90% of the time, it was written by almost all white men. Oh, sure. Therefore, that's where it skews. You're always going to have that problem looking back of like, hey, we need a new character. Well, nine out of every 10 people is a white male. So (laughs) good luck with that. Right. Which always makes it twice as laughable when they make a character and then whitewash them. You're like, this was not necessary. (laughs) <laughs> you already had exactly yeah like we're good like there's plenty of white characters if anything you should go the other way <laughs> be like all right but maybe not all these people need to be white <laughs> you know it's a maybe, hard time maybe, to be a white man jeff like, yeah i know it's, it's really it's really rough in it which i love then the I, uh watchman tv show that they actually then like put a second half on that it's like so i'm going to become a blue one <laughs> yeah 
Oh, so it's it's like the Louis C.K. thing of like uh, time travel. If you're a white man, you can go back in the time and history to anywhere, <laughs> and it's fine. He's like, just don't ever go into the future. <laughs> He's like, because we're gonna pay for this. Funny. Yeah, he stares long, longingly at her in, into the rain for about a solid five seconds after he gives his last thing about, um, you don't, you don't have to buy me a painting. You know, I could never forget you. Yeah. She stares at him. He stares at her. And there's like that moment of wonder of like, is she going to break? Is she going to fall for this? And then she opens the door and she is not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that moment, that's some great face acting from her, I think. You know, just this sort of like, you know, she's obviously affected, but it's just brewing like exactly what the effect is going to be. I thought that was great. Yeah, well, she's had a rough week. She hasn't said anything since about Monday of last week. Oh, really? Yeah, she, I didn't rewatch. I rewatched the film like a couple months ago. I didn't just rewatch it, so I, I I didn't quite have a sense of how long this speech had been. <laughs> like at the very beginning of his thing, she talks a couple times, but like really, once he starts really getting rolling, uh-huh. she just sits there like mortified the whole time. <laughs> like I can't believe this is happening. I mean, I'm trying to put myself in her shoes. Just imagine you're hanging out with like your buddy. Yeah, <laughs> and then he suddenly pulls the car over and just professes his love for you. I feel like you'd be stunned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, for him, you know, it's like, you know, what he's saying is pretty hard to take in the abstract. But, you know, telling somebody you love them, that's never going to be easy. You know, it's like, and, you know, he's certainly not making it easier on himself. So, you know, you, she's probably, I don't know, cutting him some slack. Well, we'll get into, like, exactly her reaction later. But Well, I think, yeah, her reaction has a lot more to do with the fact that it's not like she's just atypical girl right. who just thought they were friends and he dropped this on her. She's got the added baggage of being like, I'm literally gay. <laughs> I mean... 100% gay her whole life as far as he knows. Right, right. Like, he doesn't know about everything else yet. Um, Chris and I have been... We beat up Affleck a little bit in this movie, in the previous movie, but uh, him saying, is this something that I said, is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a nice capper on it. It's, yeah. I mean, it's sort of... I think that's when, again, him acknowledging the Hail Maryness of it to it. You know, like, he's like, I know there's like a 10% chance this is going to work, so for the other 90% of you, I'm sorry that I had to put you through this. Yeah. And <laughs> for no, for it's no one of those, good reason. Like, even if you think it's a low percentage thing, at some point you're pot committed to it and you got to go through with it. And you start talking yourself into it like this, this is going to work. This is going to work. And then it, boop, it doesn't work. And you're like, ah, and then you say exactly what he says. He goes, ah, oh, shit. He has to get out of that and go after her. Right, right, right. And she then just he has to get out into the, into the totally real rain effect. <laughs> that's another thing i just cut slack you know it's like it's supposed to represent rain it's rain that's fine yeah <laughs> although i'll give them this much though over the course of this and the, like the next three minutes they get friggin soaked oh yeah yeah it's not movie rain as much i've seen people in the movie stand outside for 15 minutes in a driving rainstorm and they're like moderately wet mm. and you're like wait a minute i've been in rainstorms before like there's so much water on your face where like every time you talk it's in your eyes it's in your mouth um, she is, her whole thing is she says she's going to hitch to New York. Um, they're on like a side street. Yeah, yeah, in like, yeah. In northern New Jersey. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, you know, when she's listening to him and when she just, and when she cuts out, she seems so grown up. And then she just makes like this terrible life. Tra- I mean, it's just beyond. <laughs> I mean, you better off to just, I guess that's just a run cool- to a store, yeah, run to a store or a place and call somebody, call Hooper, call somebody to come get you. Right, right. And I guess that's a clue that she's just not just like turning him down, but that this really has just shaken her and, you know, that she's reacting against it like super emotionally. Yeah, I would love to know where they are that she's pulling over trying to get. Mm-hmm. Because if they're driving from, we're not quite sure where they're coming from or going to. It seems like they're near where he lives. 
So they could be in the greater Red Bank area. I've always thought they were somewhere between his place and New York. And if they're somewhere between Red Bank and New York, you really don't want to get out and start hitching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because like you could be in like up near Newark or Elizabeth or some other place that you don't want to be. And there's uh, obviously there's like nice places up there, but this does not look like one of those places. This looks like you know you're behind a couple restaurants or something. Yeah. Nowhere you really need to be hitching. Not that I think hitching's all that safe to begin with, but yeah. But yeah, if you're just hitching like out of a stream of a. Uh like commuter traffic or something like that. You're, it's a much different situation than just whoever happens to be lurking around this <laughs> yeah. time of night. And you're also not sure what time it is. Like it, it probably really isn't that late. It's probably only like seven or eight, but it looks like it's one in the morning. <laughs> when mm-hmm. she gets out. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. I mean, in my normal daily life, I would say the only time I'm here a hitchhiker mentioned is if I'm watching like the discovery channel. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And you're just watching something about a serial killer. And like it's a like, true hey, so-and-so hitchhiking. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I wondered I mean, I if uh, this was going to be where you were going to ask, uh, ask each person if they had a hitchhiking experience or not. <laughs> oh, my God. Please tell me if you do, because I know I don't. <laughs> Actually, I have something that is, in a way, like more ill-advised than a hitchhiking experience, which is there was a point I was trying to get to a show, which I was already late, you know, and somebody was waiting for me. And I run to catch uh, my bus, and it's like a once-every-half-hour bus, and the bus, like, pulls away, like, right as I'm getting there. And so I'm, like, you know, walking down the street going, God damn it! I, was, I turned into Crispin. I turned into Crispin Glover in a situation. Like, God damn it! And uh, and this car just drives up and like stops. You know, windows down. I think it's summer. And the guy's like, "Hey, you need a ride?" <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, so it's almost worse than hitching. It's like this guy's just coming up offering rides you know (laughs) you weren't even asking this guy just offered yeah because at least if you're hitchhiking at least you like somebody might have you know you might get somebody who like oh i wasn't even thinking of it but sure why not you know or is this guy yeah i could just be like cruising around looking for an opportunity but anyway so i got gotten the right and it was just and i was like yeah it's just a three mile straight shot down that way and he's like okay sure hop in and so I got in his passenger seat and drove along. And, you know, I got to listen to some, like, fairly retrograde political stuff for a few minutes. But that was <laughs> all that happened. Which is one of those, if he asks you your opinion on something, you just immediately agree with whatever he's talking about. <laughs> oh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I've learned that from uh, tow, t- tow truck drivers. Yeah. And <laughs> like, how do you feel about Especially the cabal of aliens? I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, I can't even remember what it was specifically, but it was one of those things where it's like, you know, if I ask him three follow-up questions, this will probably go in a racist direction, but for, I'll just leave it here where it's just in a kind of weird direction. Oh, yeah. I, I've talked about that <laughs> in my work sometimes. Like Every once in a while, like, someone will be talking, and just, like, out of nowhere, they do the lean-in, where, like, they lean in, they kind of look both ways, and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, this is going to be something I don't want to hear. Right, right, right. I, I have always said this, whatever... Whatever political stance they take, whatever minority they decide to shit on while they're with me, I immediately just say that I'm married to a person of that ethnicity. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, if they get in real, if they get in real close, and they, it's a, it's a wall thing. Oh, I hate the wall, and it's like, I just can't believe all these Mexicans are coming here and they're taking our jobs. And I'm like, my, my wife is from Mexico City, <laughs> and just dead silence every time, either an apology or they just leave. And I'm like, either way, I get, I win. Yeah, <laughs> so go. bye. That's a good one. <laughs> I'll keep that. I'll keep that in the pocket. That's a life hack. Yeah. How you know you got a real scumbag on your hands is if they double down on it. Oh, there you go. Then you're like, oh, this guy wants to take it to the next level. Oh my god. It reminds me of the life hack in uh, what's it, Bronx Tale? That uh, I think it's De Niro. Somebody tell, you know, tells this kid about where he's like, no, what you do if you don't want, never want to see this guy again, 
loan him money. <laughs> and this guy who's like always bugging this kid. And then from then on, whenever, you know, whenever the kids like sees the other kid from across the street, the other guy's like, Hey, catch you later. Catch you later. And then like, <laughs> Oh, is that like the, the other thing that's in there? Is that how to test if you see if you got a good girl or not? Was the, Oh yeah. The unlock open the, door. the door for him and see if they reach over and open the lock for you. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, his- yeah, that's great. Except for there hasn't been a car like that in 50 years. <laughs> Yeah, it's a once upon a time type thing. All right, so we've gotten to the end of the minute. We're into the rain, which we will be for the rest of the week. Do you have anything specifically about this minute you want to touch on? Uh, well, there's the, the here's my response. Fuck you from her, which is oh yeah, again very <laughs> Kevin Smithy. But she like does totally like uh, commit to it, as you will see. Like you know, she's committing to the she commits to this whole speech that's coming up. But yeah, she definitely makes yeah. it. You know, coming from her, it sounds different than it would come from coming from Randall or coming from Dante or coming from somebody. You know, like she she definitely yeah. puts her own thing on it. Yeah, and uh, having lived in this state my entire life, I have her- had that word said to me in that tone many times. <laughs> because whether they're your friend or your enemy, chances are that's coming at you quite a bit. <laughs> and in the way she said it, like, she's mad. And I've had it said that way, too. Yeah, yeah. But again, like, I know in some places if somebody said that to you, like, that's a conversation ender. Like, that's nothing. That's like a comma. Like, you're just going to keep going. You roll right over that and just keep the argument going. And it's a nice start to it. I mean, given that he's, you know, been, you know, his speech was kind of this sort of almost rehearsed, you know, you have the feeling his speech was something that's been going over and over in his head forever. And he's trying to make it as like poetic as he can and stuff like that. And like, it just comes up against like, boom. Yeah. Well, and like, then he does the real, like the very last, I said that fuck you is the end of the minute. The real last end of the minute is he goes, what? <laughs> Which is the start of him, me being mad at him because it just gets worse uh, next minute. He says some asinine things next minute. Oh, sure. Yeah. So Chris has already turned on Holden quite a while ago and just can't stand him. So it's, uh, it's, it, maybe it's better he's not here this week. I don't know. Maybe that's why he didn't show up this week. He just couldn't stand another week of Holden. He's like, nope, I can't do it. Gotcha. All right. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find uh, me on the Immunities podcast. It's an audio drama, a uh, science fiction thing about a body snatcher invasion that didn't quite get everybody uh we are starting our fifth season uh probably about the time this podcast comes out maybe a little maybe we might already be underway uh we also do interseason episodes where we'll talk about a movie that has some sort of relation to our story uh we did one last season about the 1993 body snatchers that had chris and jeff on it as guests so thank you very much for doing that and uh Providing yeah, one. I think I, I think I had to abandon that one early. If I remember yeah, for correctly. your dog. So they, first, you provided your insights into military base life, which was uh, good because yeah. that's where that movie takes place. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I did enjoy that movie, and it's one of those movies. Like in my mind, I'm like, ah, yeah, that movie was great. And I went back and watched. It, I'm like, this movie is not great. <laughs> it's got like five <laughs> minutes of great. Yeah, I'm like, I still like it better than the Cole Kidman one, but it's not great. <laughs> Yeah. All right. If for some reason you're still looking for us, uh, Jane Silent Bob Minute, we're over at Dueling Genre with many other movies by minutes like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Rocky, lots of other franchises that are far more successful than ours. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can also listen to us back on the Burbs Minute, back when we were, uh, you know, we had our old microphones. So we sounded like we were in a tin can in 1935. (laughs) (laughs) Humdinger. But beyond that, though, it's great because it's a nice Tom Hanks movie and it's a. we curse a lot less on that. You should, if you hear how much we curse now, go back to that and listen how we try not to for ninety nine minutes. All right, I think that's uh, I think that's all I've got for this minute. Just remember, variety is the spice of life. <laughs>